Ag State of Mind, episode 48. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ag State of Mind, a member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show is is really special for me because I get to talk to someone who I am really close with. Nathan Brown has become a really close friend of mine over these last few months. We've connected over social media through both of our work for Ag Mental Health, and we've just formed a friendship that... I can say without a doubt that is very unique. We, him and I are together in a text group with some buddies who are also involved in agriculture. And that is a group that means the world to me. And you guys who may be listening to this, I, Quentin, Michael, Tyler, Nathan, you guys, I think I can speak for Nathan too, that we are so thankful that we have this text group together because it really helps us through some really tough times. So having those group of guys that really understand one another is really valuable. And if you're listening to this, I encourage you to reach out to a group of friends around you and, and form something like that. Forms a, a a group where you can just kind of share your troubles, share your wins. It's it's been very valuable to our mental health. So, and not just speaking for me and Nathan, but speaking to everyone in the group. I think we can all say that for for certain that it's it's great to to have that in our lives. So, anyway, we talk about Nathan's life, Nathan's farm, how he's a first generation farmer and some of the some of the trials that come with that and also some of the good things that come with that as well. So it's a really interesting conversation I get to have with a really good friend of mine. So looking forward to all of you hearing it. Here is my conversation with my buddy Nathan Brown. All right, Nathan Brown, welcome to the podcast, buddy. How are you tonight? No, oh, we're doing pretty good tonight. Long day and uh but uh, always good to sit down and talk to a friend before I go to bed. So sure, yeah, man. Always, it's uh, it's kind of nice to get that out at, at the end of the day. You guys getting any rain? Uh, we've been pretty fortunate here the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've we've caught some showers when we needed them, and I know in June we were pretty daggone dry. Uh, the crops were really suffering then, but I tell you what, since about the first of August, we've caught a rain at least once a week. So. Looking, looking a lot better. So we were dry and things were looking kind of bleak there for a while, but pretty happy with the way, way the crops and, and even the pastures. I was out in bush hogging pastures yesterday, and for the end of August, uh, we still got grass out there, so I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's been a great summer for us, too. We've kind of turned, it's gotten a little drier than it you know, you and I have been talking throughout the summer and, you know, I was complaining about it being too wet here for a while. And that was the stupid thing to do because it hadn't rained here in two weeks now, but I'm sure we'll catch a rain. And even if we haven't, it's been, we've been so fortunate all summer. I mean, grass knee deep in August is, you can't beat that. Yep. So, so for people who, you know, you and I have had these discussions many times, all the, albeit in, you know, different places, but for the people who may be hearing you for the first time, why don't you let everybody know who you are, where you are, and uh, we'll go from there. 
Well, I am a first-generation farmer, and I, along with my wife, farm in southwest Ohio. I have twin boys, Coy and Luke, that are nine, and uh, my daughter will, uh, she'll be turning eight here in a couple weeks, so. Wow, you guys had them stacked together, didn't you? Well, we, we kind of spent nine years trying to get pregnant, and then you know, we, we had to kind of go down the fertility route to get pregnant with the boys. And then Mama, she started talking one day about maybe thinking about trying and trying for another one. And I thought we were still practicing. And one Sunday morning, <laughs> she calls me down to the bathroom and says, hey, look at this pregnancy test. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're 18 months apart and they're stacked on top of each other, but uh, they are three of the closest and best friends that you'll ever meet. Yeah. So when's the twin, when's the twins birthday? March 15th. Okay. I was wondering, cause my, my twins are nine too. So I, I didn't know how close they were mine, but mine were in November. So yeah, we, we, uh, March 15th is our lucky day for them. Which, uh, you know, that's kind of was a special day to us because we, we lost my, my mother-in-law to breast cancer two years before that. And oh, wow. I was just was talking to a guy there this afternoon. Uh, he stopped by and, and was asking about the kids. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, right at the end when her mom was sick that, uh, you know, she was on a lot of drugs and stuff, you know, for the pain and she was talking out of her head, but she was talked to Jennifer one evening uh, a couple of days before she passed and said how cool it would be to have twin boys and have a blonde haired blue eyed one. And, you know, <laughs> and so then, you know, when we got pregnant with the twins and her due date was like the first part of April. And I told her, I said, you know, you're going to have those boys on March 15th. And, uh, you know, normal pregnancy all the way through and, and went to the, actually she had a checkup that day and we, we headed to the hospital that morning and I was teasing her all the way, all the way to the hospital. I said, you're going to have those kids today, or those boys today. And uh, I said, your mom is going to play a hand in it. And sure enough, about four o'clock that afternoon, we had an emergency C-section and here they came. So, <laughs> wow. But, Man, yeah. what a story. You know, that's, uh pretty amazing you know that's one thing i i never never dreamed or would imagine would ever come true but her mama's i feel her presence every day with us so yeah holy cow man that's that's amazing so so tell me about tell me about your farm tell me about being being a first generation farmer because and i've talked to a lot of people about this before there aren't a lot of those where i live so I'm always I, I'm always intrigued by that story and how how it came to be for you. Well, I got my start actually working for a neighbor, and you know, growing up, you know, when I was a boy's age, I used to crawl through the fence in the springtime or in the fall because there was a tobacco patch right across the road from our house. And I would go over there and, and walk behind the setter or, or sit on a fender when they were hanging tobacco. And, you know, it was always in the way. And then I got up into my teenage years and was always out running around looking for something to do. And, you know, I, I started more and more being around the neighbor. And, and it was the end of my seventh grade year. Come home from school and there was a cow out. 
because he had, he had a small herd of cows right there at the house and and uh, so I jumped on my bike and I, I run back there and of course it was planting season in May and he uh, he said we'll ride back up there and and you know make sure she doesn't get out on the road make sure she stays in the field and as soon as I get the seed out to the planter I'll be back up and and you know we'll we'll get her in and so I rode my bike back up and sat up on top of the hill and kind of watched the cow and he showed up about 45 minutes or an hour later and we got the cow in fixed fence and he he got ready to get in his truck and he says I'll see you tomorrow and uh, you know that was kind of was the beginning for me and and so the next morning I got up and rode my bike back and uh, worked for him all the way through high school got out of high school and was trying to figure out where I was going to go what I was going to do I wanted to go be a diesel mechanic and Mom told me I had the the guy from the school down. She said, that's too much money to pay to go to school. You need to go be a truck driver. So, well, that was the last thing I wanted to do. <laughs> so just about, just so happens that year that, that my neighbor's son was having his first daughter. And he had actually had taken a position off the farm that June and you know, the neighbor said, you know, if you want to stick around here, I will, I will get you started. So him along with another neighbor rented me a little bit of ground here and there. And, and so uh, we've been pretty fortunate enough to grow our operation. You know, today we farm about 1100 acres of row crops, corn, soybeans, and throwing some wheat in there once in a while. We also do some custom farming still yet for that farmer that got me started and we have a small calf, calf operation. We got, we're down about 32 head of, of brood cows right now and uh, looking at growing that. We're pretty good at digging the cover crops and conservation and those kind of practices and we're just uh, enjoying what we're doing and, and trying to grow and learn and, and be better farmers every day. Yeah, you know, the thing that I, I think I envy, I I appreciate is the is when you're a first generation you don't have anybody's standards or anybody's what am I trying to say expectations to live yes. to you just have you are there for yourself you are there to do it the way you want to do it no I mean I'm sure there's there's positive and negatives that come with that there's no there's no paradigms around that. You're just you do things the way it fits you, and man, I, I just that it has there has to be a certain level of freedom with that. There is, you know. Actually, my neighbor went, you know, when the first year he kind of semi-retired, and I took on some ground of his. You know, he offered to to do stuff on shares with me, mm-hmm. and you know, I've always been very independent and. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I said, I appreciate the offer. I said, but, you know, I said, I want to do this on my own. So if, if I make it, I made it on my own. I can't, I don't want to have to say, or I don't want to say that, you know, I rode somebody else's coattail to be able to make it to where I am. And, you know, I'm not to say that he has not helped me. He's not giving me advice. Um, you know, but I seen lots of things in his operation, the way, you know, the way that I grew up doing it for him, that I seen that we could do things better. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's given me opportunities to expand to try to do new things, different things, 
you know, just like the cover crops. I've, I've been doing cover crops for the last six, seven, eight years. And he, you know, on his ground and he still has, you know, some, some ground of his own. And as of today, he still hasn't, you know, kind of went that direction. He still does what he's always done and which is okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I like getting out and experimenting and, and trying new things. And, you know, kind of one of my mottos is I, will, I want to farm better before I farm bigger. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always trying to figure out how do I make my operation better? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a great kind of motto and mantra to live by is, is better before bigger. I mean, I think that's applicable to not just farming, but in, in, in anything we do, you know, make sure you're good at it before you get to <laughs> get yes. too out ahead of your skis. Yes. Yeah, very much. You know, there's so much to learn and to do, and there's so many options and, and things, you know, you can try. And, you know, I see a lot of guys, they, they want to be the biggest there is in the industry. It doesn't matter what industry they're in. And, and a lot of times they fail just because they, yeah, they can grow and they can accumulate stuff, but they're not very good at what they do. So. Sure. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and you know, you, you're doing it and you said on, you said on it, you're doing it, you're doing it your way. You want to be, you want to have that. I, I, I keep wanting to say control. I'm not sure that's the word I'm really going for. What's the word I'm looking for here. Shoot. It'll come back to me, but you want to have that kind of, man, I wish I could go this word. (laughs) The words escaping me, but you are, you know, you're, you're in control. You have, you, you know how you want to do things. You know how you want to move on and you know that you can make decisions for yourself and there's nobody really to tell you yes or no. I mean, it kind of ends with you. Um, Autonomy. That's the word I'm looking for. It's crap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think that's, that's, that's really valuable. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if, if I can't do it on my own merits, then I don't want it. And, you know, but sure. then also, you know, it, that also leads a lot of pressure. I mean, I'm first generation farmer and, and I ride or die, you know, on the decisions I make. And, you know, well, this year is, as has been a good year, but it, it still has really opened my eyes up to, to the possibilities and, and things could go wrong very fast. And, and, right you know, there's so many things in this world that we have no control over that influences our lives on a daily basis that, uh, right. You know, that's, that's the scary part. And I don't have anybody else to, you know, to, to blame the ship going down on it's, it's me and myself if it goes down and, but you know, we're, yeah, it's a double-edged sword for sure. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's positive and negative to it, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from on, on, on that side too. So, I mean, it's, it's not a better, it's just different. And, you know, there's a, there's, there's positive and negatives in, in any situation really. So it's just like right now I'm struggling with the labor situation, uh, you know, which everybody's struggling with the labor situation, but, you know, sometimes if you have a multi-generational farm, even though if, you know, maybe grandpa's not working on the farm every day or, you know, somebody's got a part-time job, but you still got somebody that can step in. Whereas me, it's me and the wife when she's off of work or, you know, the kids aren't quite old enough yet to really be turned loose on a piece of equipment. So it's, it's trying to find a labor force right now has been very difficult for me. And, and, 
you know, I, I we can't blame anybody to, uh, if they're on on unemployment and getting eight hundred dollars a a week. That's that's uh, hard to compete with when you're when you're a farmer. So, yep. but you know, you just gotta put your faith in God, and you know, he he will provide. He always has in the past, and always will in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the. I mean, yeah, that's the farmer's attitude, right? Like, just it it's worked out. It will work out, you know, put everything in God's hands and, you know, but keep doing the best you yep. can. And then whatever will happen happens after that, you know, and that's I mean, I think that's the the state of mind, the mindset that has gotten so many farmers through so many tough times is just being able to reflect back on the previous hard times and know we got through that, too. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to suck sometimes, but uh, it's it's going to get better. Yeah, you, and then you know you you'll have those times where you doubt that that you're doing the right thing or in the right place, but at the end of the day, deep down in your heart, you know you're where you're supposed to be. So, you know, the wife has always reminded me, you know, from from day one, that, that patience is a virtue, and that's that's one thing yeah. that as a first generation farmer, I've learned that lesson time after time after time. So let's shift a little bit and let's let's talk about what you've done with mental health and the advocacy that you have been able to provide and then maybe a little bit about your own you know before it kind of as a backdrop to that your own journey and your own struggles with it I mean we touched on it a little bit that some of the stuff with you being a first gen farmer I mean obviously the pressures and the stress that come from that and so, and, and what, you know, after that, after you kind of got, I know you've gotten a grip on that and gotten yourself better. And then you're, you're the next step I think is to help other people, which you have done an amazing job of doing. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey there. I guess it really started, I don't know, about three years ago from, from your annual meeting, actually, I was standing around talking with some of my peers and you know, we were just talking about how things, how bad things were. And, and, you know, it's like, why are, why are we not talking about this? You know, why, why are guys keeping stuff so bottled up and, and letting things get to the point where they don't know how to act from it. And that was really what, you know, just, just some conversations that I had with some friends of mine, that was what really opened up my eyes of, of the whole mental health issues in agriculture you know I, I started talking about it and started questioning people and you know trying to find out you know just questions that I had about mental health and, and what it was and what did it mean and what were the things that I was going through that I didn't understand or know you know what they were and then uh, you know my, my brother he started having issues uh, which he's not in agriculture but you know that he he lives you know an hour and a half away from us, and him and his wife were going through tough times, and you know a lot of his stress and stuff had came back from work, and it's just you know I started realizing that this affects so many people, and of course I'm involved in a lot of different organizations, and and I'm actually a a trustee on the Ohio Farm Bureau State Board of Directors, and and before that, I was county president, and you know, so I I know a lot of people, and I get around and have lots of conversations, and 
and I just noticed the tone in agriculture the last three years was going downhill. And, and so I had talked to our, uh, our vice president of public policy, Yvonne Lasisco, And I said, Yvonne, I said, you know, I said, this is something that we need to look into. This is something that's really affecting our peers, uh, our, our membership guys all the way across the state. And she said, well, you know, it's funny you bring us up. She said, you know, several of us have been talking about this in the industry. And, and uh, so we're going to put together a task force. So here in Ohio, we put together a task force there uh, about two years ago. And we, we kind of, we come up with the got your back campaign and you know, the got your back campaign here in Ohio is, is just to let guys know that, that they're not alone. They're not, they're not going through these situations by themselves and, and that, that people care about them and, you know, that it helps connect them with resources here in the state and wherever they may be. And so we kicked that off very happy and very pleased with that program with, with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And, and that's, that program is still a work in progress. We're actually, we've got another uh, committee meeting scheduled here actually next week. Uh, we're going to get together, you know, with COVID and stuff, it's kind of shut down our efforts with that. Right. But we're, we're looking at getting things going again and, and what kind of trainings, you know, we've offered some QPR trainings and some mental health first aid trainings and, and we want to try to get more of that out there. You know, we recognize that, you know, the farmers are struggling and they sit and talk with their banker or they sit and talk with, uh, with their fertilized guys or, you know, and really part of our focus has been trying to get those people, the trainings, how do you talk to somebody? How do you deal with somebody? If they come in, they're sitting across from the desk from you. And that's really what the QPR and the mental health first aid training's been doing. Uh, another thing that I've been trying to get going is uh, here locally in my local community, I reached out to our, our mental health board and they really didn't have a, didn't understand that agriculture was having such an issue uh, and we're a very rural area. And uh, so with them, I've been able to speak to some of their groups in Columbus. I've also started a, a suicide prevention coalition here in my county. And we've been looking at trying to figure out how we can get some mental health professionals together with farmers on the farm, you know, to kind of educate our, our farmers or to show our farmers that mental health and mental health professionals are not evil. They are not, you know, they're here to help. And then, you know, there's such a, a disconnect where our mental health professionals, because very few of them have any agriculture background. And when, so when you go and sit down with a mental health professional, a lot of times they don't understand the, the stresses of agriculture and, uh, you know, not having a set schedule and being dependent upon yourself. And so that's one of the programs that I've, I've really wanted to get, get some mental health professionals and farmers on the farm for a meal and really sit down and have those, those tough discussions. COVID hit this year, and so we've kind of had to put all this on the back burner, but we're, as soon as the, 
we can start getting people together again, that's that's something I'm really looking forward to. So you've just, I mean, wow, you're doing I. You're you're wearing me out just listening to all the stuff that you're doing. I mean, it's it's it, it's truly remarkable, man. Because here's what I'm I'm really hearing from you is you sat around or not sat around. You stood around at these meetings. You talked to people. You used your relationships with people, and you kind of figured this out. Is man, there's a problem. There is something that is affecting everyone, and nobody's talking about it. And this was before there was a lot of talk about it. I mean, there was, it was 2017. There was not a lot of talk about this. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, that was, that was a very different time than it is now. And I, I'm curious, what happened, what was going on in 2017 that do you remember the issues at hand that, that were so stressful? Well, I think at that point in time, I mean, the commodity prices were sliding you know, we had an right. okay crop, but you know, there was, there was some tension in the neighborhood. There was just a lot of division in our, our community over a issue. And, and, you know, that it really, I don't know what it was that, that, you know, really said, this is something that you need to do. But, you know, I could tell guys were stressed out about it. They were, people weren't talking to each other and they, you know, they were storming off and, and just, there was so much anger and, and it, it, I was like, you know, we need to figure out solutions to this because this is not good and it's not going to end up good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, about that time we were on the downslide of the cattle market too, you know, after the 2014 and 2015 highs. And, you know, I remember that being a really stressful time for us too. And kind of, we were thinking things were going to be better for longer. You know, everybody said that, which of course that was the number one mistake was listening to what anybody else said. But you know, I mean, yeah, it was it, 2017 was a stressful time for us too. I mean, I'm just kind of re replaying it in my mind and man, it was, it was scary. And, and even going back to even before that 2012, the drought and, um, you know, what are we going to, we're going to have to sell all the cows. I mean, it was, uh, it was just kind of a scary time. So, but it wasn't, there was no talk. There was no talk around, you know, stress, anxiety, people even slipping into depression and suicide. That just, you know, that was just a taboo subject. And so, I mean, to me, I feel like, especially in your part of the country, your part of the world that you were really kind of on the cutting edge of this and getting, getting people, really first started talking about it. I think you should, I don't think, I know you should definitely be commended for that because I'm sure that wasn't an easy conversation to start. No, it wasn't. And, you know, people are so reluctant to talk about their feelings and talk about, you know, what is, what is stressing them or, or what is giving them anxiety. And, and, you know, it, it, I told, I told Tobias, you know, this, this isn't going to end up, good if if we don't figure out ways to work through this kind of stuff and you know so that was that was and i really at that point in time i really didn't understand what anxiety was or depression was you know i knew my mom growing up had kind of had anxiety on and off and had depression fought depression on and off but you know still even in 2017 i really didn't realize what it was and you know, the more I talked with people, the more I learned, and the more I dove into 
you know, just general, what is good mental health? And, and then I realized, you know, a lot of the things that were happening around us were causing these issues. And that was, you know, I've always been one, if there's an issue, there's a problem, I'm always one to jump in and, and try to try to make things right. And, and, you know, I love my neighbors. I love my friends. I don't want to see anybody struggling and not being able to carry that burden, you know, and even myself, I've had, I've had times in the last couple of years where, you know, what this year has been just, <laughs> it has been up and down and left and right. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've had my own issues with anxiety and depression this year, just because it's, there is no stable, there is no normal. I mean, it's, I, I feel like we're yeah. playing a giant game of whack-a-mole and I'm just waiting when I'm going right. to get yeah, whacked no, again. I agree. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's like a, I think there's a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people feel that same way now more than ever. I mean, you know, and I think, and this is my hope that we all are going to, and I'm talking about regular people. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about anybody in Washington, DC. I'm, I'm talking about people on grassroots levels that are going to see that their neighbors are struggling and they're struggling and, you know, being able to kind of come together and commiserate and, you know, work together to find solutions and work together to, to help one another out because that's the way we're going to get through problems like that. I mean, you, you've shown it, you know, you talk about these coalitions that you've formed and um, the stuff that's going on at the, at the state level with your state farm bureau. That's the kind of work that's going to be done to, that's really going to help people out. Yeah. And, and you know, the resources that the, like your podcast and then you know you and i have been on several webinars you know with different organizations and people are really starting to figure out that you know people are not okay and we need to be talking about this stuff and, and get those resources out there to people and you know there's a long way to go yet i'm not saying that we have eliminated the stigma around mental health at all but I think, right. yeah, there's a lot of work to do. I think we have in the last three or four years, we have made great strides in opening that door and starting those conversations. And, you know, and I've come to the you know, conclusion that, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to call somebody out when they're not okay. You know, you got to do yeah. it in a caring, yeah. loving way. But, you know, I, I got a good friend of mine that I was a few months ago few weeks ago, actually, he called me up and he's like, I got pigs around all over the place. And he's like, can you come help me? And just out of the blue. And I, I knew that, you know, I knew that he had struggled. And, and I knew when he called me that he was calling for more than just the pigs, help with sure. the pigs. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I went over there and I, you know, I helped him do whatever I, whatever he needed to do. And, and finally, I sat him down. I said, you know, I love you, brother. But what's going on? Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you called me here to help you with the pigs, but you didn't call me here to help you with the pigs. And we had a good two hour conversation that night. And, you know, it, 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 he was having, he was having one of those days. And, and, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I'm not scared to call you out on, on, you're, you're BSing me here. 
and you know for so the next couple of days after we had that conversation you know i'd call and check in on him and and you know i was like you know i love you brother but you know this is above my what i can help you with i, I will sit here and listen to you as long as you want me to listen to you my ears are open for anybody and everybody but i said maybe it's something that that you need to talk to a professional about and he was kind of hesitant about it for a minute and the more he thought about it he actually called me up the next day and said hey i made an appointment i'm going yeah. and you know sometimes you got to do with that with with your loved ones or with your friends or you know people around you because sometimes they get in a hole so deep they don't know how to get out of it you bring up one of the most important things i think that you can and that is you didn't ha- you obviously you're not a you're you're not a mental health care professional i'm not a mental no, no, i'm not. not a mental health care professional but you are a human being you are someone who understood him you are his peer you are someone who he can confide in and to me that is that is the first step to some obviously he went and saw someone or he said he was going to see someone you know that's the first step the first step is 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 actually getting out and talking to someone who understands and you you brought that up about and i wrote this down here about your mental health professionals farm to table the mental health that's the biggest block the biggest roadblock in this journey is people not understanding, not just agriculture, agriculture, but rural life. I mean, rural culture. That's that's a, that's a that's a big blockade that we have to get past. And what you, what you that's that that anecdote you just shared there really helps kind of illustrate how powerful it can be just to have a friend to friend conversation and someone that he trusted you kind of able to get him out of his own way and that's that's huge that's that's really huge and i don't and i think that is what we are starting to find out is the most effective way to get people to to open up yeah it's it's just being a set of ears and being a friend and and just showing that you care and and not, you know, a lot of people want to run the conversation and, and, you know, tell them they're doing this wrong or doing that wrong. And, and, you know, I've learned you you keep your ears open, you listen, you let them talk about what they want to talk about, how they want to talk about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if that's enough and, and, they feel comfortable, but I knew when I left him that night that he was not comfortable with where it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I knew, I knew that I, I could listen all, all he wanted, but I knew at the end of the day that I couldn't offer him what he needed to, to make sure that, that he would be okay. And, and so, you know, we just got to love our neighbors. That's love one another, listen to one another and you know if if it's above above what you can handle there are professionals in this country in this world that that know and understand them and can help a person when they are in that position yeah man well nathan i i appreciate you coming on tonight you know i know you got 
busy schedule. You got lots going on. So to say, for me to say, I appreciate it is an understatement. We've been trying to get together on this for quite some time now. And, you know, we have, and I'll let some people in a little bit on this, that you and I share a text group together um, with some other good buddies of ours. And, you know, to me, that's been one of the most helpful things to me is just being able to kind of just get some of that crap out and, and, and share it with you guys. And Michael, Tyler and Quentin all, and, and you and I all having that together. I mean, I think it's been, I think it's been beneficial to each one of us. And it's, it, it's, it's been, that that's the kind of stuff that I feel like the little things like that is making your friends aware of what's going on. And, you know, that is, that is just really powerful. Yep. It's a great group. That's a great bunch of guys and being able to share if you're having a good day or sharing with you're having a bad day or poke fun at each other or, you know, <laughs> we have good times on there and, and yeah. uh, it's, it's great to have that, that connection, even though, you know, I haven't met half of them in real life. Right. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, haven't met hardly any of you in real life, but right. uh, yeah. you know, that's okay. That's, that's the power of social media these days and, and building connections yeah, 100%. and, and uh, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. It's and uh, right now, I mean, this will come out next week and um, you know, if anybody was following along on social media knows I, my son broke his leg two nights ago and you know, that was a, it's been kind of a whirlwind for me and me and Carrie and our whole family, really the, the other boys too. And, you know, you guys were all right there to, you know, help, help me through that. And I appreciate that. And, you know, because that's, you know, it may something that may not seem like a big deal, but if you let it fester and you let it go and you don't, you ignore it, then it becomes a bigger thing. And, you know, getting out in front of those things and being able to talk to people, that is, that's how we're going to prevent these small little problems that pop up from coming into big things. So, so Nathan, how, how do folks, if folks want to reach you online, what's the best way to, to reach out to you? Well, I'm on Facebook, Nathan Brown, look me up there uh, on Twitter, Instagram, on Brown Farms 04. So I'm open anywhere. Also, I, I started, if you're on Facebook and you're looking for a peer-to-peer -peer group, I actually started a farmer peer-to-peer -peer group. So you can look for that on Facebook and, and find us there or message me and I can, I can get you pointed in that direction and just another good place for to build community and help people share what they're going through on a daily basis. Great. Well, Nathan, again, uh, I feel like we could talk all night, but I don't think either one of our wives would appreciate that. So <laughs> probably not. <laughs> well, man, it, it was, it was great talking to you and, you know, we, we chat often and, you know, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate all you're doing for, for the ag industry. Thank you, brother. Uh, keep up what you're doing and uh, love you. All right. Love you too, pal. Thanks, man. Yep. Thanks for listening to ag state of mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.